everyone. Welcome to episode 115, Leapfrog Thoughts. Meet our mom, Kelly Hutchison. She is a life coach. She is a child counselor. She is a teacher. She's a parent coach. And she's a mom to us. She will teach you to stop yelling at your kids. She will teach you to get your kids to lesson. She will teach you how to never sleep with mommy guilt again. She will teach you how to be an imperfect mom. So you can help your kids be imperfect too. And have harmony in the home. So I came up with this terminology because you know I like catchy little terms. And I think it's something that we all do, me included. Whenever I'm doing a podcast about any topic, just know that I'm talking to myself too. So I never want it to come across that I'm talking at you. I'm talking with you. Like these are things that come up for me. So then think about, okay, how did I work through this? How did I help this situation? What worked? What didn't work? That's fascinating what my brain goes to. I want you to start going to curiosity and compassion versus judgment. Because a lot of times we find that tricky thought, we find that buried thought. Instead of saying, I wonder where that came from. And then having compassion for that thought, that that thought has been lingering in the background. I didn't even know it was buried in there. And having compassion for it, like, oh, I see you now. But what happens is what we do is, me included, always, is we get curious, we find out the thought that's causing all this strife, and then we have so much judgment about it. We want to kick it away. We want to throw it away. We want to drink it away. We want to shop it away. We want to buffer it away. We want to get rid of it completely versus like, I wonder where that came from. Almost like finding the origin of it, finding the root. And then questioning everything, almost like they talk about in the Wu Wei about the red thread of like, why do I think this? Okay, I think that because of this and then this. And you just keep going, but why, but why, but why, but why? And then you get to question everything because when we're children, we look to our parents to answer all our problems and solve all our problems. That's completely normal. It's developmentally appropriate. And what gets tricky for us is when we're 25, we're off and on our own, grown and flown. Our parents aren't there obviously anymore, but then we use our boss or our kids or our spouse or our coworkers, or our friends as a way to get the answers. And then we're living our life from the out to the in versus the in to the out. And that's where things get tricky and sticky because then we're using other people to validate us, make us feel good enough, answer our questions, solve for our insecurities, make us feel like we're whole. We go outside of us looking for that and searching for that. And other people can't do that. They couldn't do it even if they wanted to. It's not their job. It's not their responsibility because they have their own fish to fry, so to speak. And even if they did do it, it's going to be like filling up a bucket that has holes in it because it's coming from external. And then if it's not all positive, 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 and there's critics or your mom or your dad says something about the way your parent or your child or your grandpa is or your aunt, your uncle, or your greedy, greedy grandpappy says something, then you're just crushed and destroyed and like, oh, I knew it. I wasn't good enough. So when you look from the in to the out versus the out to the in, that's when your life gets changed because you're not giving all your emotional power to someone else. They can't handle that responsibility, nor is it their job. Just like you don't want that responsibility. Imagine if I told you that I'm feeling insecure about my parenting, so I need you to make me feel like a good mom. You'd be like, Kelly, you could say it over and over and over and over. You could like, I think you're a good mom. I like your podcast. I like when you said this. I, it wouldn't go one ear and out the other. It would fulfill me, but then it's like a well that I'm just going back for and back for and back for, and I need it. And then what if someone doesn't like the podcast or they don't agree with something I'm saying? Then, I'm, then where am I? I wouldn't be showing up. Are you kidding me? Nobody agrees with everything I am saying and no one should. That's creepy and weird. That's group think. That's what I want to get away from. You kind of have to leave the matrix and leave the vortex of the group think. 
And that can be scary sometimes because we're very tribal and we want to belong. We want to fit in, especially if it's your family of origin. If they don't like the way you're doing things because you're not yelling, spanking, name calling, cursing, swatting, Tabasco under the tongue, whatever it is, you're not doing that. They get offended and they'll let you know. But when you step in an emotional adulthood, you get okay that other people don't agree with everything that you do and everything that you say. Because now you're the grown up. Now you're the big person. This is what we spent our whole life doing. My kids talk about all the time. I can't wait till I'm grown up to do X, Y, Z. I can't wait to grown up to do X, Y, Z. And I'm thinking, it ain't all that's cracked up to be. You got it pretty good right now, but I'm not gonna tell them that. Because think about when you were a kid, that's all you wanted. Think about our growth as we grew up. First, we wanted to tie our own shoes. No, me, no, me. And we were like, Miss Independent, Mr. Independent. Totally normal, totally appropriate. Me, 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 me. I want to do it. I want to, me, me, me. Look at me, look at me. I'm on the merry ground. Every time you go around, it's like the first time you ever saw your parents is when you're going around the merry ground. You're like, look at me, look at me. Look, all age appropriate, all appropriate. Because when they're going around the merry ground, they're looking at you and saying, am I good enough? Do you see me? Do you hear me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And then they go around one more time and they're like, what about now? Do you see me? Do you love me? Do you need me? Am I whole? Am I worthy? And then the next time they go, they're asking the same thing. So what happens is we grow up and we want to like, you know, independent, independent. And we want to be grown and flown, grown and flown. We want to get our car and then we want to drive around. And then we want to get 21 so we can have alcohol without a problem. Get our job and have our own money and all that stuff. But what happens is we're still on that merry-go-round. And we're still looking outside of us for validation and affirming. And do you see me? Do you hear me? Am I good enough? Am I worthy? And then you want all the people, not just your parents, but all the people outside that merry-go-round to say, yes, 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 yes. And that's literally impossible. It's like me saying to all of you, you have to like cookies and cream ice cream. And it's the only ice cream you can have. It's the only ice cream you can like. And if you don't like it, there's something wrong with you. You might be Oreo cookies and cream and people won't like Oreo cookies and cream, but Oreo cookies and cream is still good and still worthy and still whole. It means nothing about you. You can't please all the people. You ever seen that quote? You can't please all the people. You think you're Nutella? I love that quote because we really do that every day. And I did that for the first probably 10 years of my marriage and the first five years of parenting for sure. I needed David and Lily and Grady to make me feel like I was a good mom. I was a good wife. I was good enough. I was whole. And then when they didn't, which they couldn't, especially the kids, are you kidding me? Then I would get all super defensive. I would shut down. I was a powder. Like not very fun to live with. It's not their job. I was on that merry-go-round. So these leapfrog thoughts, I want you to start being aware of it. Before I do that, I want to give you all your power back. Because right now, you might be giving all of your power to your kids. Or it might be to your spouse. That is not a good idea. Because then you're at the whim of their moods, their behavior, their choices, their thoughts, their decisions. They have their own models. You want to give them their models back. Even your three-year-old has a model. You can run their models and guess their models, but then you can give them their models back. That is a very freeing sentence to say. I want to say that again. They have their models, just like you have your models. You want to give them their models back. You're only control your side of the street. Your lane. Stay in your lane. Think about playing skee-ball. Grady's playing skee-ball right now with his friend Owen. They're playing skee-ball. They're playing on the lanes right next to each other. It's a perfect visual for Owen's in his lane, Grady's in his lane. They're both playing skee-ball. They're having a great time. Owen has his score. Grady has his score. They're having fun, high-fiving. That was a good shot. Oh, you just missed it. Oh, now, if Owen's trying to get a high score, is it a good idea for Grady to go over and throw the skee-ball down Owen's lane without permission, without saying, hey, you want me to go once? Not a good idea. Same with Owen going over to Grady's without him knowing. Just being like, hey, I'm going to roll the ball. I want to read you this quote that I heard today. You know those quotes that just hit you? And you're like, whoa, yes. This is by Dr. Laura Markham. She has fabulous books, fabulous all the things. So listen to this quote. You ready? This is going to give you all your power back. Most parents think that if our child would just behave, in quotes, behave, we could maintain our composure as parents. 
The truth is that managing our own emotions and actions is what allows us to feel peaceful as parents. Ultimately, we can't control our children or the hand life deals them, but we can always control our own actions. Parenting isn't about what our child does, but how we respond. Can I get an amen on a Sunday in church? Whatever that saying is. Are you kidding me? If that's not empowering, I don't know what is. I remember where I was standing when I had the Eureka moment. My kids were still tantruming. They were still like a hot mess express. And I was too a little bit. And then I, all of a sudden, there was a tantrum or there was a mishap or something went awry, as it still does. I just want to reassure you, it still does on the daily. I should change the podcast from Harmony in the Home to Mostly Harmony in the Home. Not always Harmony in the Home, but we try our best. We all try to stay in our lane, but we always go in each other's lanes. And we just kind of gently got ourselves back. So something was going awry. I remember exactly where I was standing in the living room when all of a sudden I had that eureka moment. You're going to have a couple of awakenings. It's not going to just be, it could be something that you read, something that you hear, a quote. That's why I love posting quotes because it might just crack the ego. Just think about your ego like an egg. And then every time you read something, every time you hear something, every time you see a quote, every time you hear a line that I say or someone else says on a different podcast, Every single time what it does is it kind of chips away at the egg. Just kind of like, tick, 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 tick. and you're going to have your awakening, like the cracking of the egg moment. And you're going to have a lot of those moments. And what happens is when you do have those cracks, what you're doing is you're shedding the ego, shedding the ego, shedding the ego, but it never goes away where the egg isn't there anymore. Just always kind of chipping away at it. You kind of get onto it. You're like, oh, I see you. Versus like before it had all control over me. Now I'm like, I see you ego. And so sometimes you're, this is weird. Sometimes you're consciously unconscious. Isn't that bizarre? You can be like, I know I'm being unconscious in this moment and I'm okay with that because you're conscious about it. Does that make sense? So I remember I was standing in the living room and all of a sudden I had this eureka moment and they were both crying, upset, something, you know, probably four and six. And I remember thinking, wait a minute, wait a hot sticking minute. If I'm the problem in all this, then that means I'm the solution because I spent the first five years trying to mold, change, shape Lily and Grady into who I thought they should be versus who they were and who God gave me. That, my friend, was true awakening. Not that I was a problem that there was something wrong with me, but I'm like, I was trying to control these little children because I was so desperate for control because the control meant I was being a good mom in a roundabout way, in a backwards way, in a very fuzzy logic way. But it's ironic because the more I let go, the more control I had. What did I just say? That could be a bumper sticker. The more I let go, the more control I had because I wasn't so worried about what the little minions were doing, the little cutie pies, the little bows in their hair and the little white haired Grady. I wasn't worried about what they were doing so much anymore because what they were doing wasn't a reflection of me. It was a reflection of them and what they were going through, what they're dealing with, what they're trying to learn, you know, their trial and error. So when I'm talking about these leapfrog thoughts, what happens is a lot of the times our reaction comes from leapfrog thoughts. And once you're onto yourself, you can slow those thoughts down and play them out. Your kids are going to go through things that are going to have to go through trial and error, trial and error. And that's how they figure their stuff out. So I always tell you the example of Lily was three, probably two or three. She's at the YMCA, daycare's at my school. It's like the best thing ever. I'm looking out the window. I'm on a break. I'm like, I'm going to go peek at Lily, see how she's doing. It's like 1030 in the morning. I can't wait to see her. I know it's her playground time. I go out there and she is just a hot mess express. I mean, there's snot dripping from her nose. She's bawling her eyes out saying up, up, up to Miss Kim. We called her Skim. And she's just a wreck out there. 
Because what was happening was I was telling her over and over, you need to be happy, you need to be grateful, you need to be a good girl, you need to be a good listener, la, 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 all these rules. And she was just like this tense kid going to school. And then when I would leave, she just flailed and just lost it. And it's 10.30 in the morning. She's still crying from David dropping her off at 7.30. It's not like, you know, she fell down. She was still upset that we had left. What? I was like, oh my gosh, she's never gonna go to prom because she's never gonna have any friends. And so I went straight from her crying on the playground, like instead of getting curious and not furious, I wasn't mad. I was very embarrassed as a teacher. I was like, oh my gosh, she's stressing out that teacher. I know what happens when I feel stressed as a teacher, when it comes from a student. So I was coming from a place of like, oh my gosh, she's never gonna go to prom. And what we do, and I talked about this in clone parenting a little bit, is that we expect our kids to be just like us now or just like we were as kids which is literally impossible. And I went to prom. I had a thousand friends. I was always going out. I social butterfly. I was a major extrovert. And so I was having this throbbing spirit with this introverted spirit. And I wanted to make her an extrovert instead of honoring her introverted spirit. So I was always socially pushing her out there and go, 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 go. Because I was like, that's just what you do. I didn't even know about the introverted world. And ironically, the more I let go of control, the more control I had. Because the more I honored her introverted spirit, the more extroverted she became. And I didn't even want that for her. Once I accepted the as is, and when I read the line or I heard the line on the audio, your child was born with their own throbbing spirit. They are here to teach you where you need to grow. I was like, wait, what? Oh, they're separate from me? It was like a lightning bolt came into my home workout gym and just shot the enmeshment and codependency and the unhealthy bond that we had together. And it was like the lightning bolt zapped that enmeshment and made it more healthy where I was W-H-O-L-E and she was W-H-O-L-E versus me needing her to be a certain way so I could feel like a good mom. I remember someone telling me, they're like, wow, Lily's really attached to you. I went home and cried. I was like, what does that even mean? I can't believe she said that because of course we're at a play date and she's hanging on my leg and wants to climb back into my uterus. And I was like, what does that even mean? She's never gonna have a social life with David. I'm messing up. I gotta, I gotta schedule more parties. I gotta, get, I gotta get back out there. Let's go. And then I would like prep her like she's going into the Super Bowl. All right, when we get there, we're gonna do this. You're, are you gonna hang out on my leg? Are you gonna, you know, it was just like this intensity because I just needed control. I needed other people to think I was a good mom. When she said that, she didn't say like, oh, it's so sweet. She's so attached. She's like, wow, she's really attached to you. And I was like, what does that mean? Oh my gosh, someone caught me. I'm a bad mom. I knew it. I knew it. I wasn't meant for this. She was literally making an observation that my daughter is literally hanging on my leg for two hours at a play date. And then I went home saying, I knew I was a bad mom. I knew I wasn't meant to be a mom. I went leapfrogged all the way to, I'm a horrible person. I'm not good enough. I wasn't cut out for this. David, there's something they need that I can't give them. I said that to him multiple times because I didn't think about like what was going on for her. I saw the hanging on the leg. I saw it as a reflection of me that I wasn't like exposing her enough to more enough social outings. So then someone said something like that, which was just an observation and she was right. And then all of a sudden it triggered my ego, which I didn't even know. I didn't even know I had an ego. I didn't even know what an ego was, but my ego was coming from such lack that I went home and I cried and I was like, oh my gosh, I knew I wasn't good enough. And it just went spiral. Your brain will spiral without mind management. If you don't manage your mind, your mind will manage you. That is true for all the things. This is really good to know because then you just focus on your side of the street. The relationships you have in your life come from your thoughts. That doesn't mean you have to have all happy thoughts about other people. If someone is calling you curse words and pushing you down, you don't wanna be like, oh, I like his hair. I'm gonna stay friends with him or her or whatever it is. If someone's mistreating you, that's where boundaries come in. But the reason why we become so people-pleasing with all the people is because it's that merry-go-round crowd. We wanna please them all because we're using them as a barometer for how we're doing in life. So we accept crumbs of people's love because that's what we think we expect. We accept what we expect. 
Now, not that you should have a manual for other people, but it's okay to have boundaries when people don't treat you kindly, even if they're your family, I promise. And it's okay to disappoint them and make boundaries and have some distance. You can love them and still love them. You just love them from afar. You're not bitter. You're not angry. It's just not a match. It's kind of like when you're playing bingo. They call your number 067. It's a match and you put it on your card. If it's 062 and you don't have it on your card, not a match. Nothing wrong with 062. So a lot of times these leapfrog thoughts can go from zero to 100 fast if we don't get control over them. Because if our child, let's say, steals bubblegum from the candy store, our brain straight goes to Winona Ryder. They're going to be stealing. They're going to be in jail. I'm going to have to bail them out. Should I bail them out? I don't think I should bail them out. I think they need to learn their lesson. Well, how many days in jail should they stay there? I'm not really sure. This is what my brain does without my management. You saw what I did with prom. She was just upset that she missed her mom and dad. And I'm talking about prom? Are you kidding me? That's insanity. What she was teaching me is she's like, hey, there's this whole world called introvert. You might want to check into it. And I'm 46 now, and I'm more introverted than I ever have been. I used to be such an extrovert. Now I try to be a balance of the both. I used to be 95% extrovert, 5% introvert. Now I'm like 99% introvert, 1% extrovert. It's insane in the membrane because she taught me about the slower world. And now I would say she's more of a 50-50 girl because I didn't even care anymore. I'm like, be an introvert, go girl, be shy, I don't care. Because if they're shy, then we say, get out there and go meet some people. Then if they're too friendly, we're like, you better calm down, stranger danger, someone's gonna steal you. These kids can't win, they really can't. Because whatever they're doing, we wanna find the leapfrog thought of the opposite. That's too much, that's too little. That's too much love, that's not enough love. What we're doing is we're taking that throbbing spirit and we're dimming it little by little by little by little. And we don't mean to, we're not awful people. We're just so riddled with fear and we need control. And that need for control gets so wonky and so out of balance that they don't know who they are anymore. So if like they're three and they're hitting their sibling and God forbid you have had abuse in your past and someone has hit you like a mother or a father or an uncle or an aunt or a grandma or a grandpa or a family member or an ex-husband and you see a three-year-old hit a one-year-old or a three-year-old hit a five-year-old, that's gonna bring up a lot of emotions for you because your leapfrog thought is gonna be that they're gonna hit their spouse or they're gonna go to jail on a domestic abuse charge because they hit their three-year-old because they took their toys. And a lot of times it goes to worst case scenario of it's either jail, drugs, homeless under a bridge, no friends, no spouse, lonely, worst case scenario. If they're having a hard time making friends at school, then we think they're being bullied and they're never gonna have another friend. Maybe they're just an introvert and they just need one good friend. They're just still looking for that one friend. Or maybe they like to be alone a little bit more than we do. I was working with a mom and she was worried because her daughter went to a party and had some drinks. Um, Pretty sure y'all did that too. Pretty sure we all did that. But she went straight to leapfrog. She's going to be an alcoholic like my grandpa was. She's never going to go to college because of it. She's going to ruin her future. She'll probably get a DUI. And so a lot of times, a good thing to do when you're having these leapfrog thoughts is I want you to play them out a little bit so they're not so scary. It's kind of like, you remember we were scared of the boogeyman or we're scared what's underneath the bed or we're scared of the dark. And then we turn on the lights, we're like, oh, that's not so scary. Or that's manageable. Oh, it's just the curtains blowing in the wind. So I want you to do that with your leapfrog thoughts and play them to the end. Like, what if that did happen? You always want to play out the worst case scenario. I know that's scary to say, but you'll kind of be able to not laugh at yourself, but just kind of like, oh, that's not really a problem. And then I also want you to play out the scenario, like, what if that did happen? And just make sure that your side of the street is clean, that you're not doing that. So let's go back to the alcohol. So are you drinking too much alcohol? Are you vaping too much? Are you doing, if your side of the street is clean and they're not absorbing it from you, then it will work itself out. And if it doesn't, that's what their sole contract is. That's what they're here to learn and grow about. 
We just have to make sure that they're not absorbing it from us, whatever that thing is. Have I been in jail? Have I gotten DUI? Have I been homeless under the street, under the bridge? Nope, 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 and nope. So if I know that my side of the street is clean on the things that I leapfrog thought about it, because I played out the prom, like, what if she doesn't go to prom? Big whoop de doo da I didn't play that out then because I wasn't conscious then. But now if I didn't, like, big whoop. Nobody has, you don't have to go to prom. Prom's kind of dumb. It doesn't get so scary. Just because I went to prom doesn't mean she has to go to prom. That's so silly. Kelly, come on now, you silly girl. And then you can have kind of fun and light and fluffy about it. It's NBD. And Grady was in fifth grade now. And so all he's a patrol and all of his friends are patrol. And he's the afternoon patrol. And he has, obviously he's not doing morning patrol duty, but he has afternoon duty. And so he is adamant. And I mean adamant of getting to school well before 745. And this is just suddenly out of nowhere. I'm like, what is up with you, dude? I'm like, just getting ready. He's following me around. He's like, you ready? You ready? You ready? We got to go 745, 745. If not earlier, 730. And I'm like, bro, what's your deal? He doesn't have to be at school till 815. What? Like last bell. 8 to 815 is like the safe window or whatever. So I'm like, what is your deal? He's like, oh my gosh, the patrols are now my friends. These are my really, really good friends. So you know how embarrassing it will be for my friend to open up the door in the morning and say, good morning, have a happy day, have a blessed day. You know how embarrassing that will be, mom? I will literally die of embarrassment. And he is wigging. And so we're in the car. We have a long ride to his school, which I love because we have the best talks. And I'm like, all right, let's play this out, Grady. What is the worst thing that could happen? And he's like, I would be so embarrassed. I'm like, what happens when you get embarrassed? He's like, my face turns bright red. I'm like, how long does it last? He's like, usually like mm, 30 seconds. I'm like, 30 seconds? I'm like, how long is it super, super strong? He's like, uh, 10 seconds. I'm like, 10? He's like, probably seven to 10. I'm like, all right, let's do eight or nine just to be, you know, just to stay in the middle. I said, so you're flipping out, causing all this stress in the morning. This is when he's in the green zone. I'm like talking to him rationally. And I'm like, for eight seconds of your cheeks turning red? Well, yeah, I mean, I said, the worst thing that could happen is an emotion. And we're not scared of emotions. We can do this if we get there. And of course we get there like 7.30 and like the early, early patrols are already out there. He's like, okay, here we go. Seven seconds, flush red. Here we go, let's go. And he's like, hey buddy, how you doing? And you couldn't even tell. And the other, I'm like, the other kid's probably embarrassed too. He's like opening your door. He's like, it's like I'm the king and I'm like, I'm above him, mom. That's so embarrassing. That is so weird, mom. That's so, and he's like wanting me to pull in the random spots in the school parking lot. He's like, just drop me off over on this random bush. I'm like, I can't do that. I'll get in trouble with the principal. He's like, well, I don't want to be embarrassed. I'm like, well, I don't want to get in trouble. And so I want you to play out the worst case scenario and play it to the end. Because like Dr. Phil says, he says, when you're scared of something, you want to turn on the lights and it's not so scary. And a lot of times what we do and our brain does is it borrows so much worry and we end up creating exactly what we don't want. Because we're so hyper-focused on it that we're like, did you talk to your friends? Did you make any friends? Who'd you sit next to? What's going on? And the kid's like, bro, I just got in the car. Are you kidding me? Because our anxiety and our control and our fear takes over. And so our incessant questions and need for control comes from this like needy and graspy energy. It's like, make me feel like I'm a good mom. Make sure you have lots of friends. I don't want you to be lonely. Or if you're more introverted and then your kid has a hundred friends, you're like, oh, I think that's too many friends for you. I think you need to just, you know, you don't want to like have that many friends. You want to have one that you're really loyal to. You're like your ride or die. You want to have like a, your right-hand man, like your best friend, your brother, you know, you know, you do, that's what we do. And that's completely normal. We want our kids to be like us because then we can relate to them. And then when they're not like us, instead of learning from them and growing from them and evolving from them, we try to mold them into this like cookie cutter person and version of us. And then that's where the conflict happens. And then the ego gets roaring like, oh, no, 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 I'm going to control this. You will be like me, whether it's like I am now or like I was when I was your age. Because when I was your age, X, Y, Z happened. And that's how it's going to be now. That's cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. It's impossible to accomplish. 
a lot of times if they're not sharing at a play date or you're not sharing with your brother or, you know, they take the bigger piece of pizza when they're passing out the pizza and keep the biggest to them. We're like, oh my gosh, I'm raising a narcissist. That's what the leapfrog brain goes to. It goes, boop, worst case scenario. It doesn't accept the as is of the passing out of the pizza or not sharing the toy. It goes, oh my gosh, I'm going to raise a narcissist just like my mom. I'm just going to raise a narcissist just like my ex-husband. Oh my gosh, he's going to be selfish and have no friends. Oh my gosh, he's going to be homeless under the street because he's going to repel everybody he's near because he's not sharing his Tonka truck. And a lot of times if we have old pain in our past with our parents or with our ex-husband or with our brother or with our sister or with a friend that broke your heart, that heartbreak doesn't go away. What happens is the unconscious brain tries to recreate that heartbreak and find evidence for it. And then if we see it in our kids, then it's like it's broken all over again. And that's where our reaction comes from. Not from seeing what we're dealing with, but it goes back to that old pain and it tries to heal that old pain in current time. And it reacts and overreacts all in the name of hashtag nip it in the bud. Got to nip it in the bud. That was where my reaction was always coming from. I got to nip this in the bud. She can't be doing this to a first grade teacher. He can't be doing this to a first grade teacher. This is not how it should be. And then we're arguing with reality and we're arguing with who we have in front of us and we're judging and we're trying to control and we're trying to mold them and who we think they should be versus who God intended them to be. When we get out of our way, we play skee-ball in our own lane, then we control our side of the street and we get a lot of our power back. A lot of times we give all of our power to our kids and we don't take any of that power for ourselves because we're so used to giving all that power to our parents because they were the ones that filled us up. And that was age appropriate, but now we're the grown up. It's not our child's job to fill us up. It's our job to pour all of our love, all of our blessings and see all of their goodness in them. And then they become it. And then they have to go through the same journey they're going to have to go through. They're going to have trials. They're going to have error, trial, error, trial, error. My friend Jackie, she's teaching her kids how to slalom ski. And she was sending me videos and her daughter was falling, falling, falling. And then she just sent me a video last night. And she's like, she's like slaloming. She's like doing tricks. She's like hopping wakes and hopping waves. I'm like, what in the world? She's like, that was from a hundred falls. She fell a hundred times and now she's slalom skiing. She's still going to fall, but she's been practicing and practicing. It's the compound effect. Grady's handwriting, he went to a new school last year, which was kind of a big deal. And it was in fourth grade. And the school teaches cursive handwriting. So he gets to school on the first day of school. And they're like, okay, take out your cursive workbook. We're going to practice cursive now. He's like, what? I don't know how to write cursive. I don't know how to read cursive. But everybody in the class did because they had been at the school since kindergarten. There was a couple others that didn't. He's like, what? So he brings home, he's like, oh man, I can't believe I have to learn cursive. This is so crazy. So he had to skip all of the K through three teachings and he jumps straight into fourth grade. Like, let's go, let's do it. Let's. And so at the end of the year, his teacher sent a before and after, like August handwriting and May handwriting. And they probably practice handwriting, you know, 15 minutes a day. But the compound effect of practicing cursive handwriting for 15 minutes a day, by the end of the school year, his handwriting I want you to email me and I will send you a picture of the before and after. You won't even believe it. The after looks like it came from a computer. And his print, like when he writes his name, it's very, very messy. That was a big leapfrog thought I had when he was in second, third grade. His handwriting was atrocious. I did all the things. I practiced handwriting. I told him to slow down, go back. It was like rush, 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 rush. I got Play-Doh so I could make the hands, the hands stronger so his muscles were stronger. I'm like, you know what? I just gotta let go. Then all of a sudden he's learning cursive. His cursive handwriting is better than his print. And I told that to David today. He's like, well, that's because he has to really think and be conscious about his cursive because yes, it's good cursive, but he has to do so much thinking. So he has to go so slow. Whereas he's writing in print, he knows how to do that in his sleep. So it's like rush, 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 rush. But with cursive, 
it's like slow trial and error, trial and error, trial and error. So practicing his handwriting for 15 minutes a day, I think they're in school 169 days at his school. At the end, it looked like it was written by a computer. Please send me an email and say, I want to see Grady's handwriting. I will know exactly what you're meaning and I will take a picture of it tonight. So I'll save it on my phone and then I will send it to you because it just shows the power of the trial and error and my friend's daughter trying to learn how to slalom ski and how much you have to fall. It's that failing forward, failing forward. But we forget that when we're an adult, we're like, oh wait, I have to fail forward and so do my kids. What we do is when they're falling on the slalom because we're people pleasers and we don't want our kids to hurt and we love them so, 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 so much. Instead of letting them fall, it's like we put noodles around them. We're saying, don't fall in the water. Catch this noodle. Take this water ring. And we create this bubble around them so they never have to fall in the water to learn how to get back up and to learn how to slalom. But kids do it so naturally. But it's so hard for us to see them struggle but we have to get comfortable seeing them uncomfortable because that's where we can help them because then we're in a better space versus us freaking out because they're freaking out and we're the crazy flight attendant when there's turbulence in the plane. Everything's NBD. We stay calm in their storm. It's hard, but guess what? We can do hard things. I love you guys and I'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Hey mamas, thanks for listening. If you had any ahas, clicks, or those lightning bolt moments while listening, you have to check out my free parenting bootcamp where we take all of this to the next level and we try to create even more awakenings for ourselves so that we can connect more with our kids and never yell at them again. You can sign up at www.coachingkelly.com and if you really want to fill up my love cup, send me an email of what your aha was, what your click was, what was that lightning bolt moment while you were listening. I want nothing more in life than for you to have harmony in your home and to learn how to be an imperfect mom like me, which allows your kids to be imperfect too, each and every day. Thanks for listening.